Welcome back, everyone. This is Rachel Prince, rentalpreneur and real estate broker. This is our Airbnb house hacking podcast that we have a wonderful, wonderful special guest on today, Daniel Restine with Optimize My Airbnb. I'm excited to probe his mind for the ultimate house hacking tools and resources today for Airbnb. And uh, Danny, we met at the Airbnb Open last year. That was really fun, and I enjoyed learning a little bit about what you do, and uh, we both had uh, some brain dates at the Airbnb Open, and uh, it was a real pleasure to meet you and learn a little bit more, and I'm hoping that you'll be able to tell us a little bit more about what you're up to these days. Welcome. Yes. Hi, Rachel. Thanks for having me. Likewise, it was great meeting you at Airbnb Open. Too bad they're not having one again this year, but I'm sure they'll do it double as big next year in 2018. Right. Do they have to conserve some resources, perhaps, or some bandwidth? I think? think I think probably it has to do with Chip Conley leaving since he headed it in the past. Okay. Oh, he was kind of the go-to person for that whole process. Yeah, exactly. Okay. All right. Well, um, we do love Chip, and um, I hope, you know, I've heard he's, he's still on board with the whole Airbnb thing. He's just taking less of a, of a front row position. Have you heard that too? Uh, yeah, my yeah, my guess. I think he left right around four years when all of his options vest. So my guess is he's taking a, a significantly less uh, impactful role. But he's probably there as a limited advisor. Would be my guess. I think he's even moved down to Mexico, so he's not even in the area. Yeah, that's what I heard too. Through the grapevine. <laughs> so okay, well, Danny, why don't you go ahead and give us a little bit of background uh, on you and how you got into this whole thing and how you happened upon even Airbnb and working for them as a uh, company. Yeah, sure. So it happened, if you'll come back with me to January 2013, this is when my roommate at the time, I didn't, uh, I didn't have a job. I quit my job uh, as a public accountant without another job lined up. I just didn't really like it. And then my roommate told me about this Airbnb company, January 2013. And so I looked into it, and immediately I thought, yeah, this is, this is how I travel. This is a, this, I want to at least interview at this company. So I got an interview there. Uh, they said no. They said thanks, but no thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I got You're another, so good at first impressions. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not good at first impressions, but I'm persistent. because Yes, I, that's good. I stayed persistent for a few months, and another position in the same department opened up, and I interviewed again there, and I got the job. So, yeah, happily ever after. And then I worked in accounting for two years and uh, really fell more and more in love with the company. And I left in 2015, and I joined a local Airbnb property management company. Uh, not doing accounting, but not really. Accounting was 10% of my job at that point, so that was a total career shift, which I did that for about a year. And I really, thankfully, because as you can imagine, switching careers and switching jobs at the same time was pretty nerve-wracking for me. I also went from working in an office to working at home. And so, thankfully, I, I really liked it, and I excelled, and I did it for a year. And then I left to... My original plan was to start my own Airbnb property management company and be one of the pillows out there or the host makers, depending on where your listeners are at, one of the bigger Airbnb property management companies. And I realized, so now we're at July 2016. Then I realized after doing that for not much time at all that um, I didn't want to be in 
Airbnb property management uh, traditional in a traditional sense because it does require a good amount of work until you really build the company up and you're able to hire help. So that's when I pivoted to optimize my Airbnb, which I do now, and I focus probably 80 to 90% of my time on, although I still have the, my property management company is called Belo, B-E-L-O-P-M.com, and it's still up there, and I still get folks inquiring to me, and I, I usually send them to property managers who I work with in the area. And I do do Airbnb property management for a very select few hosts because it's important for me to stay up to date on all the changes uh, that Airbnb makes. And for my optimize my Airbnb business, it's good for me to be a property manager and be really ingrained in that because I can't host at my house anymore, and I'm actually moving, so I have to. So I'm hosting for other people essentially. And I've been working on optimizing my Airbnb since August. I uh, had a new website come out uh, at the beginning of this year. And now I'm focusing on the blog and growing the website. I love the new logo, too. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting. Um, I don't know if you saw Rentalpreneur's new logo with the uh, R. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was driving through uh, on my way back to Indianapolis to Kansas, and I saw my, you know those little keychains that we got at the Airbnb Open with the Balo on it? Yes. It was sideways, and it was, I was, as I was driving, I had it dangling from my rearview mirror, and I was like, oh my gosh, that is my rentalpreneur R. So about the same, I think you had just come out with yours, and then I, I had mine changed, and uh so I thought that was pretty cool. And not only that, but uh, speaking of blogs, I just I wanted to congratulate uh, Rentalpreneur, myself, and you for making the top 10 blogs for vacation rentals from Vayu, which is a, a company out of Europe doing price optimization. It's an automatic price optimization, optimization tool, which is cool because I look forward to learning more about that. So congrats on making the top, I think you got, what, six? Yeah, I got six. Yeah, thanks for letting me know as well. Yeah. You, you told me before they even emailed me and told me. <laughs> yeah, well, I thought it was really cool. I was uh, excited to see you on there, so congrats. Yeah. And I love that the fact that you're in property management and you specialize in, in you have specialized in that in the past because that is that is partially the topic today. I want to find out, you know, I have my opinions. I just wrote a blog, in fact, about if Airbnb can truly become a passive income model. And, uh, you know, I have another investor friend, Andy Toms, and he is actually, uh, he's created a passive model kind of management company that we will run investors' properties, turnkey properties for, you know, pass completely passive. And so I know it's possible, but the reality is, uh, that takes a lot of resources, that takes a lot of expertise, and most mom and pops, I feel, don't really have the time or the skill to be able to be doing this, uh, you know, f be setting up a property management company, having it run, and then, you know, basically, I, I just don't think most people have the bandwidth for it. And you, like me, I really am not in the business of wanting to run other properties, you know, it's just, it's, it's a lot of work, as you said. So what do you think? Do you think that for the average mom and pop Airbnb business that it's, it's a good passive model income, uh, 
business or or is it just something that we're going to have to keep active active income and and really plow through all of the the customer service and the essentials that it really requires out of us yes so i haven't read your blog post so we'll see if um, i hope you i hope you take that uh, different opinion than i have right now and, and that'll no, be no it's basically what i was just kind of saying like i don't really think it's for the mom and pop got it got it okay uh, but it's more for the you know if you want to set up a company like my investor friend and he's got resources and he can do that and he can run clients out of it you know that's i just don't see many people doing that wanting yeah. to do that well, so it depends how you when when you first proposed this question. I was thinking about it as if I was a host who has a property who doesn't want to manage that property full time. Totally. In, in that in that way, it could be passive income because you would, if if you vet the property manager correctly. If you don't, then you're going to have a whole ton of issues, and it's not going to be <laughs> passive. But if you own a property and you don't want to manage it, you want to pay someone. Typically, it's 10 to 20 percent to manage it. Then, yeah, it could definitely be passive. And for myself, and for the prior Airbnb property management company I was with, we we termed ourselves full service, and we meant it. So, if things went wrong, we would get the handyman out. Uh, we would communicate all entirely with the guest. We would communicate entirely with Airbnb. So, for these hosts, it was pretty much uh, turnkey. Yeah, like, and and passive, but come on, really, like ten percent—that's not enough. And you know, because you've managed properties, and that's probably—I mean, I'm the same way. I will do it selectively, but ten percent is—we both know that ten percent is not enough to cover a property management company. They won't do it. They're not doing it. And I think that was something else that I wanted to ask you about. Was you know, I know some of the companies in Denver have turned away properties because they don't have a high enough return, or the you know the the uh, potential income that they will make uh, is, is not enough for them to run it and sufficiently make a profit and yeah. which is you know rightfully so it takes a lot of work so do you really think that you know because I know you kind of just casually said oh you know 10 to 20 percent you can have a property management company run it I don't think that's realistic anymore I mean look at Evolve like it's I've heard really you know I've heard they do it all and it's 10 percent but I've heard not so good things about it I I actually I agree with you here because I totally agree. Ten percent is way too low, and so is fifteen. Twenty at the minimum because it's really a lot of work. But the reality is, people are charging. If you're a good negotiator, um, people are charging ten to fifteen percent. Fifteen percent is the average. So if there's hosts out there, I think the price will go up because there is a lot. There's a ton of work that goes into this. So I think the price will go up to 20 to 25%. Uh, but right now it is. You can find someone at 15%. And Airbnb on their co-host platform even uh, says average is, I think they say average is 10 to 15%. Mm. When I was, now is, yeah. I, I was just going to say, when I was at this Airbnb property management company, we charged 10 to 20%, typically 15%. And I remember specifically there was a host who was out of the way and I proposed that we charge 20% for this host because of the fact that he was out of the way. And the owner of this company at the time um, disagreed and said, no, we can't just charge extra because he's out of the way. So I, that never really made sense to me. So um, one, of your, one of your things you were asking me about was um, property management companies vet, vetting out these uh, yeah. 
low dollar hosts. So for me, in my property management company, it dep- the, the percentages depend on how much I think I'll make from you in a month. So if you're less inconvenient for me, you're going to charge, a, I'm going to charge a higher percent. And I think that's totally fair. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I had uh, a client in Denver who I referred to a property management company and she was in the heart of low, low high, lower highlands and a great house, great property. But one of the issues, because the, I thought that the property management company was actually pretty good, but one of the issues that I find if, if nothing else, like let's just say it's 10%, let's say it's 20%, let's say it's 30% that the property management company has taken, I think a property management company can, can fail hugely if the pr- property owner has not relinquished the property fully, like energetically or uh, you know, in, in any manner, if they're still holding on, if they're a co-host in any form, uh, then I feel like at some level they could potentially be sabotaging the the uh, the bookings. And I've seen it happen. I saw it happen in this particular case where I don't think the owner was really fully sold on wanting to do this. She had a very fussy neighbor and problems occurred and she was the first person that got the call. And I just think that, you know, if we're, if they're, if people are, if owners, homeowners are going to be doing property management, let's just say you guys take a step back from your property, let the property management company do it completely, fully, you know, just get the paychecks. That's really all you need and make sure that your property is a good property to be doing this at because again if you have fussy neighbors or you know problems with your house then you're going to be getting a call often yep yeah agreed there's we i create my host their own profile and i give them the password uh but those hosts who are who want to get the notifications yeah they're they're honestly the worst hosts because Though, why did you respond this way, or <laughs> yeah. you said this or that, and it's just, um, you know, it just creates extra work for you, and at that, like I said, 10, 15%, it's not even worth it. Right. Right. Well, so, you know, I, I still have to disagree with you at some point that, that the 10 to 15%, I, I still think it's too low. I mean, I think you would agree if you could make more, make more, but I, I personally don't see how... I mean, I guess, are you saying that the property management company has to do bulk in order to see a return out of the 10% they might be be, be charging because the owner is going to be happy, but, but, the, but the property management company, can they really? Well, I don't know. I don't know where this 10 to 15% came from, or it, typically it's 15%, so we'll go with yeah. that. Yeah, okay, 15. But Pre-Airbnb, if you did... So if you're going to do long term, it's going to be five. Ten percent. Yeah. Yeah, ten percent, right around there. If prior to Airbnb, if you did short term, it would have cost you thirty to forty-five percent. Right. Short term. That's what I still thought it was at. Yeah. No. It's uh, well, at least no. It's yeah because I've been when I was in Australia, they were charging those companies were charging, and San Francisco definitely, and some other companies that I've worked with. 15. Average 15%. So I don't know when exactly. Here, I have a, a thought on that. And part yeah. of it might, maybe that's density. Like San Francisco is pretty dense. Like, whereas if you're, like you said, if you have someone out of the way, like in Denver or what have you, I mean, that's, you've got to be running around. 
I mean, is that also, I mean, you're not doing check-ins. You're not talking about doing check-ins and stuff, are you? Well, so I'm not even talking about myself. I, I have a, I do remote Airbnb property management, so my specific style is, is a bit different. But Well, I mean, for what you were talking about at yeah. the 15 percenters, are they doing, are those property management companies doing um, check-ins? Are they just doing communication? They're doing check-ins, but typically if you're at 15%, it's an automated check-in. If you want gotcha. a self-check-in, that'll, that'll add an additional 5% because okay. you can pay someone every single time. Right, exactly. Okay, so, so, so um, and then what about like emergencies? Like say it's 3 a.m. and you got an emergency because this is what happened at the client's, uh, one of my Denver client's house. The 3 a.m., the neighbor, the the uh, guests are in the hot tub next door. Who do they call? And was that something that they offered? The companies you're talking about. Do you know? Yes. Emergency. So, yeah. There's a, there's a 24/7 support line, or there should be. That's how that's how it was when I was at the property management company that I used to work for, and we would actually it was internal. So there were six employees, and we would we would take shifts. Oh. Would yeah. have a day. Would have 12 hours. Uh, how I Makes do it. Sense. How I do it now is I'll have I do since I'm doing remote I can't be the emergency contact so I'll have an emergency contact available and usually it works out best when it's the cleaners or it'll be or it'll be a neighbor someone nearby who can respond in those unlikely events at 3 a.m. Now are you compensating your cleaners for um, these emergency? calls to be on call if they get something or like how do you yeah so that's that's tricky because you you want an on-call person but you can't you can't really say hey I need you to be on call 24 7 but I can only pay you right when when needed so how I do it is I pay the on-call person who it's it works best if it's the cleaner because they're already familiar with the house I pay them five percent and some months they don't even do anything, but some months they have to do one thing. Usually it works out to like once a month, once every two months. Five percent of the nightly rate. Oh, okay. So on top of their cleaning fee. Correct. Okay. All right. Well, I mean that. I mean, I think that's a good possibility or solution for some uh, mom and pops who are doing this, who own a few properties and might not want to get a property management company but maybe you know and I and I coach this as well that they you know just as good they either get a house manager or they get a a cleaner who's you know who's got these extra abilities and the cleaners are really your best friend you know they as they they do so much and they know how to take care of issues I had a wonderful cleaner uh, in in Denver and she would send me pictures like was this pen mark on the table or was this uh, you know was this crack in this glass or you know I'd be like yes that was there thank you I appreciate that <laughs> yeah well if if, uh, if some of some of the folks that you the hosts that you work with don't want to hire a property manager they can there's many options they could do that yeah they could have their uh, their cleaners be emergency contact they could also go to Airbnb.com. I think it's forward slash co-host, but we can we can take a look at it and put it in your show notes. And if you're in a big city, typically, you can pay an already existing Airbnb super host 5% to be your emergency contact, which is, which is great as well. 
Yeah, I think that's a great, a wonderful suggestion for our listeners to do that. Uh, so we'll put that link in the um, information below when we shoot out the, the replay. You know, is there anything else on property management that you you might want to add in there? I mean, I, I'm still kind of a, a disbeliever that it can be a fully passive income model just because there's just so many things that come up. You know, I, I was uh, running a house in Denver and we were putting the house, the house was taken off the market because it didn't sell for the winter. So I was running Airbnb out of it to keep the mortgage. It was a $600,000 house or 800000 and it was, you know, very expensive mortgage. So he was a little concerned that this business model was going to work. We got it up and running. But I will say that, you know, as much as passive as I wanted it to be for him, it just never seemed to be because there was always things that came up for the house and, uh, you know, things that I needed to speak to him about. And it seemed, but I will say that after the first six, four, four months, we got pretty much everything dialed in because every house is so different and mm -hmm. requires different things, you know, from the the gutters in the house to the cables that drop down from the cable lines on the house and, you know, just just little things that maybe um, you would have to ask the owner for, like you if you need a leaf blower and there is one but a cord is missing and you don't want to go buy a new one and you're on a tight budget, you know, little things like that. So I feel like maybe over the first three months and maybe definitely through each season, once you get past that, like, it, it can start to streamline. Maybe just, like you said, perseverance for yourself, perseverance for the the uh, property management company to get through that first year. Streamline, yeah, definitely. But I don't think if, if we're talking about mom and pop, like you've mentioned, and they're trying to be, they're not going to hire a property manager, but they want it to be passive, I don't think that's possible because even, even then you're going to have to coordinate with your cleaners and your emergency contact folks sometimes. Um, but I, I, I have right. it as passive. The, the people who it could be passive for is the host who wants to hire a property manager. Right. For, for myself, I'm, I'm basically your mom and pop uh, that you've been mentioning. I'm basically them and how I run my remote Airbnb property management company because I have, so I have a system where I respond to messages. A lot of them are automated. The pricing is automated. The check-in is automated. Coordination with the cleaners is automated. Uh, the guests know that they need to reach out to the emergency contact, so that's automated. So I'm pretty much hands-off. The only time I have to get involved is if the guest asks specific questions where I have to, there's no automated response for that, or if the guest breaks something and they need the cleaner reach out to me and says, hey, I need you to buy this so I can replace it. So yeah. for me, it's mostly passive, but definitely not, Definitely not. The only person it's going to be passive for is that host who's done a really good job vetting a property manager uh, because, like I said, there's a million property managers out there and, and a lot of them aren't good. Um, and I even have some advice after going from a larger property management company to a smaller one. I, I, I think I've kind of figured it out if you want to find a, a really good property manager. Um, there's definitely some strategy involved with that. But the only person who's going to be uh, passive is the host who's done a good job vetting a property manager. Yep, agreed. 
Agreed. And um, and again, I, I still think um, there, there's got to be willing to take a little cut on the returns if you know to get a really good one. Um, but I I personally just haven't seen as many good property management companies that you might have seen. I know um, in Denver we had a few, but they um, had some issues with that. And then I've heard some things about some national companies. So I'm just not quite. Um, pleased with what I've seen out there, so I think you're right, yes, vetting is really important. Um, speaking of price automation and optimizing, do you have any, or I think you, sh you should have prepared for us your top three favorite automation tools. I'm hoping one of those is a price tool, but because um, <laughs> um, <laughs> I do have my concerns with those, and we can talk about that later, but I know you um, have a special treat for our listeners today. Yeah, First, your top three ones. Yeah, you asked me for top three, but I actually have I have I thought of four that I use. If you if you've um, heard about the I think it's called the Pareto principle, eighty twenty rule. Have you heard that? Uh, sure. For what? So it, the the eighty twenty rule is it basically says what twenty percent of activities in this case automated tools takes care of eighty percent of your work. Mm. So those 20% for me are these four tools that automate probably even more than 80, probably 90% of my. So with so with your with your approval, I'll give your audience four. Yes, please. Bonus. Okay, so the first one is it's an electronic guidebook. On Airbnb, they provide as a host, you can put your information in the house manual, but that's sent to the guest upon booking confirmation and there really is you as a host you need to time out when you're sending your guest information if your listeners or you I know I have been a guest on Airbnb and you get an email from the host um, a week before check-in that's the size of a book with your checkout info your local desk everything it's like it's just too much give me the check-in info that's all I need right so I suggest all my hosts don't even use that uh, house manual instead creates an electronic guidebook with a company called Coral. It's coral.life and again the show notes we can, we can put something in there. There's also uh, a company called Hostfully which is a bit more popular. They're both free for one guidebook. Coral is, Coral is actually always free. They don't charge. So you create this I also recommend, uh, just as a side note, don't put your actual address in your Airbnb listing. Just put the street because that address is communicated to your Airbnb guests upon booking confirmation, and they can cancel or whatever. So if a book guest three months in advance, they know now they now know that this house is a short-term rental. So it's just a security thing. Instead, put. Mm -hmm. Did, did I hear a, a gas? Oh, I was just going to give a shout out to uh, Andrew over at Coral Life. Woo yeah, ahead. yeah, Andrew and Richie over there. Yes. Mm -hmm. So uh, put the put the address and other info. It's it's very it's very user friendly. Coral, we'll put that in the show notes. So so I mentioned that first because then go and sign up for Smart BNB, and what they do is they automate communication with the guests, with the cleaners. They also automate posting reviews. Airbnb says that posting reviews as a host to your guests doesn't affect your search rank, but uh, I think it probably does, or it might at some point, um, especially with more competition coming in. So you should be posting reviews. 
Uh, Smart BNB does this automatically. And one of the messages I sent out, there's a few, but one of them is three days before check-in, I'll send a message with my electronic guidebook. And all my messages are very short. You don't, wanna, you don't want too much words ever, as short as you can be. So I'll put that coral guidebook in that message three days before. So that takes care of a lot of my communication. And then there's an electronic, uh, I recommend all your listeners get electronic locks. And so, right there are some there are some higher end ones, um, and I've had some experience with some, but they're complicated and they're not quite there yet. I don't think so. I recommend just get a, sh- a schlog if I'm saying that right, uh, a regular one. You can put in a few different codes to it. Put that code, uh, give that code to your guest a few days before. That could be in an automated message via Smart BNB. And then the last thing, yes, is smart pricing. Um, most good hosts have caught on to this. The the optimization reports that I prepare for my hosts, only about 15 to 20% aren't using smart pricing or they're using Airbnb smart pricing, which doesn't count. Uh, keep in mind that Airbnb is in the business of low, uh, rooms lower than hotel prices, so that's why a lot of hosts say, oh, yeah, I don't know why, but it's always a lot lower than what I can usually get. Well, that's why. Airbnbs, their competitive advantage is rooms cheaper than hotels, so their smart pricing tool is going to be cheaper than hotels. Um, the smart pricer that I use, and I've used them all, I've used Wheelhouse, I've used Beyond Pricing, uh, I took a look at... Um, Never booked. I yep definitely used Everbooked and then uh, <laughs> Everbooked. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I just I I've been getting Everbooked to work for me, but I do think uh, I'm just uh, if you yeah like you've had good experiences with the pricing tools. Well, uh, so I, I have a feeling I know exactly what what you're gonna say because yeah these these pricing tools aren't perfect far from it. Um, they're not a set and forget it tool. However. Um, Price Labs, which is a company that's been around for three years or so, uh, as of the last month, they made a lot of improvements. Uh, and so I've moved, one of the things I do is revenue management for property managers, and I've moved all of my properties to Price Labs, and I'm very happy with them because the, the, their pricing is actually dynamic. It actually goes way up and way down. Um, it's not really flat, which is what I see in other uh, dynamic pricing tools. Um, and by the way, I do have a discount code for Smart BNB and uh, Price Labs that we can put in the yeah. show. If your right. listeners mm-hmm. haven't tried them out yet, they can at least get a free free month or free 10 bucks or so. Uh, but I use Price Labs and I'm very happy. They do things like, you know, Airbnb, I don't know why they haven't yet, but usually you have a two night minimum. But what if you have an orphan night, which is one night in between two two night bookings. Right. And that's just that's Airbnb doesn't make money off that. You don't make money off that. Well, Price Labs allows you to change that specific day, and it's done automatically once you set it up to a one night minimum. And then additionally, you can charge an additional ten or twenty percent, or you can even charge lower ten or twenty percent for that one night to have it booked. They, they have some other tools as well, like lengthening the minimum stay. Uh, if you get more than 30, 60, 90 days out, it's all customizable. Great. That's awesome. And the other thing about the price automation tools that I've seen to be problematic is that they don't 
they're not uh, real time. They take they, there's a lapse, so it takes them some time to get going when you make a change. Have you noticed that, or does Price Labs address this? That's true. Typically, these pricing tools update once a day, but they also have a sync now button. So when you make changes, if you want to sync now, it is it's um, you know time intensive because every time it's an extra click. But they usually do have a sync now button. Okay. All right. Well, I think uh, I haven't quite uh, been able to feel comfortable with the price automation tools. However, uh, do we see or do we think that Airbnb will make any adjustments to their smart tool, smart pricing? That's, As, they, yeah. that's a good question. It seems I, like they should. It seems like they should, but... <laughs> Again, I haven't actually heard anything about this. I know when they released it, they were really proud of it, and of course they would be because they've probably taken a lot of time doing it. But it, the one thing that they have good uh, about that uh, smart pricing is, and this is where people get confused when they sign up for truly dynamic pricing, like Price Labs, is Airbnb, there's no base price. So Airbnb, just you tell Airbnb how often you want to rent it, and then Airbnb takes care of everything else. Whereas these other tools, there's something called the base price, which is what every other price in your calendar is based off of. So if you think the pricing is too low, raise that base price 10%, and all the other pricing throughout 365 days, is usually how long they go, is raised 10%. Mm -hmm. Another, real quick, another problem that I've noticed with the Airbnb smart pricing tool is let me try to think of what it was. I had a client that we were trying to book more of the weekdays, but we were using the smart pricing tool, and we couldn't get the weekdays without manually going in to be priced lower. Because if we priced the weekdays at like 69 or something, <laughs> then we couldn't price the weekends, because that was the base rate, we couldn't get the weekends higher. I mean, we could have a weekend price, but that didn't allot for Thursdays and what have you. So it was a little bit annoying. And when we called Airbnb, they said, yeah, we don't have the, the functionality yet to be able to uh, give you weekday pricing versus, you know, more uh, like your, your, your generic or your base instant pricing. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's great if you just want to have instant price and you have a base rate and it's, it's at the price you want, like say 99 a night and uh, but but if you want to be selling more you, selling more days and you need to go a lot lower, you have to go in manually to do that. There's no that's where smart pricing is not so smart. <laughs> yeah. Well, you could you could there is a minimum price that you can activate. Is that what you're talking about? Well, yeah, the minimum. But then sometimes smart pricing will just make the weekend ninety like the, that low base rate price too, and that's not. You know, yeah, yeah, and I don't I just mean weekdays. I mean Thursdays, and you know, yeah, I see holidays, and <laughs> when you sign up for smart pricing, yeah, you're no longer allowed to use that weekend pricing. Right. Oh, yeah. Okay, that might be it. Yeah, and also, um, you. So for me, I have a minimum, but that minimum changes if if it's three to four days out. I'll even go 10% lower than that minimum to try and get really get those days booked. So the minimum yeah. has to be kind of dynamic as well. Yeah. It's something that I really hope they will continue to work on because I feel like 
it would probably be an easy fix for them to do it in-house instead of us having to try to go find pricing tools outside of them. But whatever. <laughs> We're not there yet. <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, that's, you've been, is, is there anything else you wanted to say on your automation tips? To wrap no, uh, okay. no. Well, those, those are the those are the four. Those I think those are those are basically the my mandatory tools that every single host should be using if they want to be relatively passive. Yeah, yeah. I love the slog. I love the. Uh, I haven't yet used the Coral book. Uh, yeah, I love those guys, but I just you know I like to print mine out and put it in the house and. I have my automate. I do love with Airbnb. They have the automated templates that you can just send out, pretty at the touch of a button. If your host, if your guest asks a question, but I think it oh, would, yeah. you know. But I think you're right. We don't want to overwhelm the guests, but at the same time, it would be good to uh, get their questions up in advance, so they have to do a little bit of research. But the thing is, like you know, if they just have one question. And I'm just like, refer back to the guidebook. You know, I still have to sometimes, we still have to, as hosts, we still have to send them that, the answer to the question without making them go read the guidebook because that's our duty. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. I'm taking a look so. at Airbnb, the back end right now, because you made a comment about week, weekend pricing, including Thursdays. Yeah. And I know I've seen on people they uh, they have Friday and Saturdays are higher pricing or, mm -hmm. or a different minimum. Mm -hmm. And I was curious if that was if they were setting Friday and Saturday or if Airbnb set it for them. Um, so in other words, could they set it Thursday, Friday, Saturday? They were just choosing Friday, Saturday. And it looks like yeah, just Friday, Saturday, which doesn't yeah. really yeah. So we didn't want to have them be setting their nightly rate at at a lower. You know, we we're trying to. Book a Monday. At, you know, willing he's willing to go to 79 or 69 or 89 for those random nights. He didn't want that to be on a Thursday, and there's no way to fix that. And sometimes it would just, yeah. So it, it's not perfect. It's not a perfect world with the smart pricing in Airbnb yet. However, uh, let's let's put a call out to the universe that they really make that make those improvements this year. <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot to do with pricing, specifically like uh, disallowing discounts during huge conference weekends. Like in San Francisco, we have Salesforce. I want a weekly, monthly discount, but during this week, obviously, I want to remove that, but you can't. So I do think there's a lot to be done around pricing that uh, it hasn't yet. Yeah. Uh, overall, I think they're doing fabulous, and uh, I'm really glad. Uh, last, last little... Uh, question here before we open it up to some other people. Are Do you think Airbnb has any competitors in the running? Uh, no. They have a ton of small competitors, small small people that are coming up. There's one in, uh, there's one in China. I, forget how, I don't know how to pronounce it, but it has three times the amount of listings as Airbnb does. Um, so that, that's probably, yeah, that's probably their Editor, but there's all these niche ones like for LGBT and for um, 420 friendly folks. Uh, so there's and right. specifically for family folks. So there's all these niche ones. Yeah. Um, but Airbnb is definitely the, the market dominator for sure. Yeah. Great. So uh, I'm gonna open it up and unmute here for a sec and see.
Okay, I don't know how to unmute everyone at the same time. So if you have a question, go ahead and unmute yourself with star six. I don't know if you had any uh, questions, Tanya, or if you want to just jump on and uh, we can we can uh, just wrap up this call with you, Tanya, or I think there's someone else that might have had a question. So push star six to unmute yourself. And or don't. <laughs> and we will call it as it is. I'm not sure. Daniel, can you hear me? Danny, can you hear me? Oh, is, is are you there, oh, Danny? Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? Was I gone for a long time? <laughs> No, no, I... Okay, I, I just was not sure what happened. Yeah, no, I, I was hearing you. I didn't realize I was muted. Oh, yeah, I, I muted and unmuted quite a few times. Okay, one more chance for anyone who wants to, to talk at the... Uh, just push... I think everyone's unmuted now, so... We'll just uh, hope to hear from them, and if not, that's okay. Um... I'll just, uh, while people are thinking, maybe yeah, I yeah. can plug my... Uh, oh, Tanya, are you there? Yeah, I wasn't it, sure you could hear me or not. Yeah, can you we hear couldn't, me? Yeah, we couldn't hear you, so I, don't, I was hoping that everybody got their phone sorted. So did you just, I had, as far as competitors, I had the question about uh, the Airbnb equivalent in China and for 420 folks and for LGBT. Did you get them just straight off of doing a Google search because I'd like to post mine on on those uh, sites oh yeah well so um, you would you would only want to post yours on for example the 420 friendly one if, if you allow people to smoke cannabis um, I think inside your house the one in China is just really for China but I have Google oh, alerts set up on my I have Google alerts set up on my computer, and so once a week I get information related to Airbnb. So what I do uh, is I set up Google alerts, and if you have, just type in Google space alerts, uh, and it'll pop up, and then you can type in, let's say, Airbnb, and Google will send you every day or once a week information in the news, uh, popular information in the news related to Airbnb, and I have about a dozen or so notifications set up for once a week, and so that's how I get information on these different competitors of theirs. It, it, it's called uh, T-U-J-I-A is the Chinese competitor. T-U-J-I-A. Yeah, yeah, something like that. All right, well, if there aren't any other questions, um, then I'm going to wrap this call up. I want to thank you uh, Dan, Danny for stepping in and really doing an awesome job with us today and revealing all of the inner workings of your brain for this process. I love what you're doing and um, where are you headed next? Oh, I'm, I'm currently sitting in my room uh, half, half empty. I've been selling my belongings over the past two weeks. I'm moving out of San Francisco. I've been here for six and a half years and I'm moving 
Uh, I'm transitioning to the digital nomad lifestyle, which means I'll be living in a different city every one to three or four months, depending on the visa of that country, and I'll be in Europe, specifically Estonia, in about two weeks. Wow, that sounds awesome. Amazing. Uh, Are you going... Oh, hello? Yeah, if any of your listeners have uh, contacts or recommendations in Estonia, it's not a very popular place, so I would <laughs> definitely look either of the... Did you know that they have, I think the Netherlands is like have free camping or free Airbnb or something like that in all of their yeah, I land? Think I think I sent that on your uh, the Facebook group. Yeah, yeah, so Sweden. Sweden. <laughs> Sweden. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah there you, you go. Whereas in other countries you get, you get arrested or if you, have, if you camp without a permit on public grounds. So right. that's all right. Well, thanks so much for being on the call today. If you want to, if anyone wants to tune in to the replay, they can do so by going to soundcloud.com rentalpreneur, that's R-E-N-T-A-L-P-R-E-N-E-U-R, -E -E and I will put that down below, and I will also have that on my website, and we will uh, have this available on the, my YouTube channel as well. Just do a search for Rentalpreneur on YouTube, and you will find all of my latest podcasts for Airbnb house hacking, and next time, uh, next week, we will do some more with the investors and see what they're up to, touching base back in with them. And until then, I hope you guys have an amazing rest of your week, and we'll see you on the flip side. Yeah, thanks, Rachel. Look forward to doing this again. Ciao. Thanks. Good luck with your travels. Bye-bye.